0: Everybody wants world, not, not, not me. to
1: work, na-na-na-me
0: Everybody's
1: oh, got to no. work,
2: It's another episode of Life of Brian, dot, dot, dot. Mannix, that is. My name's Kevin Hillier and, of course, the star of the show. Well, actually, it's like working with Lurch from uh, from the Adams family. Really? Yeah, well, it is because I, I, I buzz you, you're always, you rang. You rang, okay. You, remember how Lurch used to just walk into um, into Gomez and what was Gomez's wife's name? Morticia. Morticia and go, you rang. You rang.
0: Mm-hmm. How are you? Oh, mate, I've got a roaring hangover, a roaring headache, and a roaring horn. It's just (laughs) unbelievable.
2: (laughs) How more rock and roll could we possibly get? (laughs)
0: Ah, goodness me! Now I've only been out of bed for about five minutes, so I'm a bit um, I'm running a bit slow today, but um, that's all right. That's that's what we do. Exactly and, um, right That's how we function So that's, let's let's go
2: Alright We've got, we got a rock and roll star uh, show Coming up too Because one of we I have to do. say One of the best bands This country has ever produced Is on the program Kenny
0: X-Men And I couldn't agree with you more Kif. Absolutely Right Also right. another good band Is the Hoodoo Gurus <laughs> yeah. They're a
2: great band <laughs> Yeah no, They are a good band They're a terrific band They've done some great songs and uh, And Dave and Rick from the band Are going to join us to have a chat
0: Oh, geez, the Rock and Roll
2: Hall of Famers, eh? Yes, they are. And we'll talk to uh, them about uh, being in the Hall of
0: Fame and how, how they feel about that. In fact, Rick's in it twice. Did you um, Did you consider my feelings when you thought about this uh, choice you're, of questions? You're,
2: you're, you're not in there, You know, Hall of you,
0: don't you think oh, I feel bad, you know? you know? Rick's in the Hall of Fame twice, Dave's in it once, and for <laughs> O'Brien, well, yeah. he's just here.
2: You're not in the Hall of
0: Fame? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll discuss that in the interview. But right, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised. Oh, and, so is everybody.
1: <laughs>
2: and, and, and our other guest is Paul Field, who, of course, for the last oh. uh, 25-odd years has been the manager of the Wiggles, but before that was a member of the Cockroaches and has been around the music scene as a performer uh, for many years and now and as a manager for, you know, to two and a bit decades, and now is back as a performer.
0: Well, how about him? He's a wonderful guy, and um, I suspect if you were manager of the Wiggles, you'd be fairly cashed up, Kev.
2: I would suspect on the back of 30 million CD sales worldwide and and television you shows. Probably get and a ca-
0: you'd probably get a couple hundred bucks out of that, I'd reckon. Uh, yeah, maybe at a stretch, yeah, at yeah, a stretch. Maybe, maybe eight or nine hundred bucks.
2: And I'll give you a little, uh, a little taste. Uh, when the Wiggles meet the Rolling Stones, that, oh, moment, that, that moment's coming up later on.
0: Wasn't that a thrill for the Rolling Stones? <laughs> that was just the highlight of their career, I reckon. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about decision-making, Brian. Ah, yes. I'm a liberal, so I'm not very good at uh, making decisions. So right.
2: Um, well, I want to talk to you about when you put yourself in danger and how you get yourself out of danger. And importantly, I'm talking about when you're behind the wheel of your car.
0: Ah, yes, yes, exactly right. This is a, a, a place where you need some training, I exactly reckon. Exactly
2: right. It is an area where you should not take it for granted. You should well, not think that you are, you
0: know, bulletproof and terrific at this. You should actually go and well, get your skills fixed up. Where could I go, Kev, to, uh, to get my training up? Because so, I'm a bit of a lousy driver sometimes. I get a bit lazy and uh, where could I go to, uh, to uh, brush up my skills? I'm
2: glad you asked, Brian, because that's our very good friends (laughs) at Mercots, mercots mercots.edu.au, Mercots uh, Driver Excellence. They will look after you. They will uh, teach you about decision-making. They will help you when you get in a moment that you're losing control of. They will take you through how you go about all that stuff. It, it's defensive driving. It's driving to get you home, uh, you know, in one piece and alive. So uh, if your decision-making and your, your road skills need a bit of a polish or someone around you or someone who works for you needs uh, that help, one
0: 555 576 or au. Well, why That's don't we go. do one simple thing and mm-hmm. call murcots Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those terrible ads. Why don't we do one simple thing and call real life insurance? <laughs> they they only get people that can't act to be in their ads. Oh, that's um, a
2: prerequisite, isn't it, for ads these so, days So, you
0: know, why don't I, I do one simple thing and call Mercots? that would exactly. be good. Exactly. All right.
2: One three hundred triple five five seven six. All right, here we go. Well, I'm going to let you uh, you take the uh, the reins on this one, Brian, because uh, it is called the life of Brian, and uh, your first guest is the Hootagures.
0: Well, thanks, give. Okay, I'd just like to say that this show is called The Life of Brian and our first guest is The Hooda Gurus. <laughs> what a <laughs> terrible introduction. Now, these guys are great and um, very interesting to listen to and to talk to and um, they've got a new album coming out, so let's uh, find out all about it.
2: And at the end of it, we'll play their new song
0: as well. Well, you don't want to play one of mine? <laughs> all Oh, I right, all right we'll go. play one of these. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So this is the life of Brian podcast that we're that we're doing. So obviously, uh, Mister Mannix will uh, will lead us off here, gents.
0: Well, I guess Lovely. I will. I'm not. I'm a bit of an idiot. But so I'll just start off by saying, what's happening with the Hoodoo Gurus, guys? Oh, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: is that the intro? That's <laughs> <be> the intro. <laughs> I just thought I'd right. give
0: it a generic intro, and you can say what you like. <laughs> well, what's happened to is we've been in the studio
3: rehearsing and writing songs and uh, we're kind of raring to go back and do it properly and um, finish our damn album we've been waiting so long to make. Oh,
2: fantastic. Mm-hmm. So this is the album that we got a little taste of with Get Out of Dodge. Is that, is that what we're talking about?
3: That's right, yeah. We've been working on singles um, actually since December of 19, uh, 2019. We had a single called Answered Prayers, which is the first sort of shot over the bow. And um, yeah, then get out of dodge last year, and uh, we had another single which is not going to go on the album. It was kind of a something else. That was a bit of a little uh, political statement we just brought yeah. out for the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, we got them. We've actually had we got four other tracks already finished and recorded, and just uh, waiting to be mixed. But um, we just wanted to get some more songs and you know get the whole thing done so that we, we're ready to go now.
2: So, Dave, did you have a stockpile of songs ready, and have you added to that in the in the year and a bit that's since the starting of this procedure? <laughs> well,
3: I always collect little ideas and scraps of things, and they kind of sit there in this sort of nether world of neither a song nor a you know. They're just sort of waiting for me to kind of you know work on them and turn them into real songs and. Um, so I kind of held off until we went into the, this rehearsal period last week, and you know brought them in there. And when they sound like something, I finish them off, and uh, they just all came together really quickly.
0: All right, who who's producing the album? You're producing it yourselves, or have you got somebody? Yeah, in we
3: we've always produced it ourselves, really. I mean, you know, we, we've had people that have sort of been officially our co-producers, you know, like for example, we had Charles Fisher on the last record. Mm. But you know, we've been pretty much, you know, I mean, I actually produced a couple of albums way back in the middle of our period, the middle of our career, you know, we kind of produce ourselves really. We we know what we're supposed to sound like. We make the you know, we make it all happens in the rehearsal room really, you know, everyone gets their part, put it all together and and that's kind of a record. We don't really need someone to say, hey, add a half here or, you know, put uh-huh. a harmony there. We know we know what you know, we know those bits,
0: you know, where they're gonna go ourselves, you know? Yeah. Out of this after this many years you kind of pick up a few tricks along the way and um and you know, I thought, mm. I find myself if you produce yourself or if it stiffs and it doesn't work, you go, oh, well, that's my fault. But I hate it <laughs> if, if I su- do something that it's goes against my gut instinct and then it doesn't work and I think, why didn't I just stick to my game? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the way to go. We, we,
3: we always you – know, our biggest problem is we sometimes put on songs that, you know, we're in love with and then we realise afterwards, oh, maybe the song we left off was better than that one. You know, that's about the, the worst regret we ever have usually. We never quite know what – like our last – uh, sorry, a couple of albums ago, we. We actually did two, as an album called Max Show, and, and um, we did two completely different albums for America and for Australia, um, had about four different songs on each one and, um, you know, and there was even other songs left off it and we still don't know at this point which one, what should have been the
2: album. How How, does it, how is it Go feeling on. in the studio? Is it feeling like the old days or is it feeling like new days or what's, what's it feel like?
4: The old days.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well,
4: it's feeling good, feeling great. We all hate rehearsing, you see, so we need new songs to rehearse. So uh, it's a joy playing new songs, you know. It's, uh, no, it's great, it's turning up great. Exciting.
3: And, of course, we've got Nick on drums now, so it's, there's no way it feels like the old days for us because Nick's, done, yeah. you know, he's, he's a whole fresh fresh blood. He's younger than us too. So, um, <laughs> yes, he, 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 he lowers our... our <laughs>
4: total it's age. Great, it's great, yeah, it's great for me too because I'm no longer the new guy. <laughs> Yeah, After 30, years. yeah, I was going to say thirty,
2: thirty something years, and you're still the new bloke. Yeah, that yeah, is that does right. novelty of that wears off a bit, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> so, Rick, you've been in the Hall of Fame, inducted in the Hall of Fame twice. Is
4: that right? Yeah, and been in two great. Well, I've been in a few great bands, but two, uh,
0: yeah, exceptional bands. Yeah. And you, there's a chance of Matt finish making it a third. Is that right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Right. <laughs> no. You know, I reckon. Yeah,
1: you know,
4: they might have a chance. Mm. No. Nah. Okay. Yeah. What about Died Pretty? And you know, there's a lot of great bands that should be.
3: And the hard-ons, the hard-ons yeah. are going to go in. This is insane to me. that not the hard-ons aren't in. Yeah. Yet. So For, Chad Morgan. Yeah, Chad Morgan. Absolutely.
1: Chad Morgan.
3: It's unbelievable.
0: He's not in. It's just wrong. I got a better chance of winning a logie, I reckon. But anyway, <laughs> Those, <laughs> I might have to die first. But anyway, yeah, we'll see yeah. how we go. <laughs> Those
2: sort of awards, gents, because you're in. I think uh, you're in the WA Hall of Fame. Uh, I think you're in the Victorian uh, Music Hall of Fame. I'm not. I'm not even sure if there is a New South Wales one, and I, I don't know if you're in that. But
3: don't... I don't think there is. No, that was the, the age. The age, uh, eg, Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. That's in
2: right. Victoria. Yeah. Yep. Um, what, what do they mean to you when, when they start handing that out? Uh, apart from the fact that it means you've been around for a long time. Well Rick, you were you first with the Divinals one? Yeah. So how did I you feel, mate?
4: Oh uh, look I you know, I've always got a bit of a raised eyebrow about stuff, you know, about being competitive and, you know, it being some sort of contest, you know, but um I must say that both of those events were, were, were very um meaningful. I mean it feels like, you know, you kind of recognise by your peers and all those years of being away from home, and you know, there's some sort of recognition anyway. I mean, not that we kind of really need it because we do it for ourselves, but but it was nice, you know, it's very nice. We had it, I, I can just speak to myself. I, know, I think Dave had it, he enjoyed it, and uh, it was nice.
3: Yeah, I, I was a bit more, um, probably against it, uh, mm. than the other guys because yeah. you know, we've never been nominated for an Aria award in our career, oh,
4: Best really? cover art. Yeah. yeah, we got the best cover-up. We got best, best cover-up cover uh, <laughs> nomination. We didn't
3: win it, but so we, we got nominated for that. And we just thought, you know, well, you know, it's sort of weird because we never, we never really believed Aria knew, what, you know, which way was up in that regard anyway. For, for us to kind of like be, you know, you know, going, oh, thank you for acknowledging our contribution when you never had before it was sort of strange to me. But when we actually got there and did it, mm. you know, firstly, many other, you know, a couple of other guys wanted to do it because of their families. You know, they thought it was a nice thing for the families to be able to sort of appreciate that that what they'd sort of seen was being acknowledged as well. Um, and when I got there, it was quite an unusual I, – I was very moved just being up there with – you know, at the time was Mark with our drummer at the time and then the four of us together after all we'd been through together and all those years. It was kind of nice kind of just to have a – sort of stand there and take stock and go – hey, we did do something together, you know, because you don't get that opportunity very often to sort yeah. of really reflect on, on those things. So that was nice, you know, just to sort of be there with those people and to feel like, hey, yeah, it did make a difference somehow.
0: Um, you're talking about artwork there and um, we're just talking to Michael from The Bad Loves and they're releasing an album later in the year and they're releasing it on vinyl we were talking about, you know, how great it used to be with the vinyl so you could read all the lyrics and you could look at all the artwork <laughs> and stuff. Is there any chance your album will come out on vinyl or straight to digital or what's the plan?
3: No, mostly it will be on vinyl but, of course, you know, that's a minor part of the marketing, you know, in terms of, yeah. you know, where people consume it. Most people consume it through streaming services, you know, and a lot of people have got rid of their, DVD, their CD players now so yeah. they don't even make CDs, I don't think. But um, we will make vinyl because that is a, sort of a little sort of exclusive market and also, yeah, kind of cool you know we like we like having vinyl ourselves and we signed a new deal with universal a few years ago and as part of that deal we had all our albums put out on vinyl um as a reissue and we did it over a period of a year uh one a month it was really great like some of those albums had never been on vinyl before yeah so um to have them finally on vinyl was you know mm. it was definitely it definitely is cool you know you, you, you really like having them and seeing them as you say and and it, it just feels real, you know, which you don't get that feeling from a digital-only release. And, you know, we the trouble is, though, um, we did get out of Dodger. We, we brought that out as a single on vinyl as well. But it took four months for the vinyl to get back from Europe, you know, uh, to, to oh, get it wow. released. So so that was a nightmare. And so when, we, we will release it on vinyl, but, you know, when it will come out, it <laughs> may be sometime after the actual official release because we're going to be stuck, you know, waiting for those shipments. I you know, could- we can't let that determine.
2: Can I ask you both about uh, John Castle on Get Out of Dodge? Where, where's the connection there with, with you and John Castle? Because I, mean, I remember the Castles well, from the late 60s kind of doing the rain, the park and other things.
3: Yeah, he was a kid then. He was the youngest yeah. one of the band because the family group, that, that's the, the councils were the band that the network executives uh, based the Partridge family on. Correct, yeah. So that's where, that's where that all came from. Yeah, well, um, John John's actually married to Vicky Peterson, who's an old friend of ours from the Bengals, and Vicky's sung on quite a few of our songs over the years, including A Thousand Miles Away, and when we, you know, thought of Vicky to be someone to sing on this song again, because it's just. She's just got such an amazing voice and, uh, yeah. with, you know, and it, it really blends well with mine too, which is, which is uh, you know, something that doesn't always happen, you know, with, with singers. Um, you know, it was like natural, like, well, you know, we've got a council right there with <laughs> yeah. us as well. So, um, and they've been working together on a lot of stuff themselves, you know, like they, they, they've come as a little team really lately. So it was just a no-brainer. Oh,
2: okay. Well, no, it's a really interesting because, uh, I mean, I, I love the councils. I thought the councils were actually really good.
0: Well... I'm glad oh, absolutely. I'm, oh, glad it's, I'm really glad it's worked out well for you guys because I got Danny Partridge to play bass on one of my <laughs> things and it was a disaster.
1: It was, no, he absolutely. was
0: shit. Yeah. Well, I, I bet he had a good writer, though. I bet he had lots
1: of <laughs> well, workers
3: and, uh, you know, all the different substances in the world, probably.
0: Yeah, we put up with him for that reason. But he's, Sid Vicious was a better bass player. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's the same. Now, I'm oh, getting back to this artwork, because you, you just missed out on the art last time, you've got it coming out in vinyl, so what are you going to do about the artwork this time? You've got to go one step further.
3: Uh, well, I've got an idea for a for design, uh, you know, we'll see if, the, if it passes muster, but I, yeah, I've been playing around with that stuff myself lately, I've been getting onto uh, Photoshop and you know, enjoying that side of things, because I actually was a bit of a an artist. When I was a kid, you know, I used to be—I was more known in the family as a painter than a than a musician. Music was just something we all did
1: okay. around the
3: house, singing songs and all that, you know, harmonising the family and singing, singing together. But art was what I was known for as a kid, and uh, that that pretty much dropped away when I started playing in bands and playing music. But uh, I've always had a bit of an interest in that visual stuff. So, um, huh. yeah, I've been mean, having fun with playing some ideas.
2: So, Dave, were you behind the clips? So, uh, who was behind the idea for those early clips when you were, you know, using dinosaurs and all sorts of weird things that were you doing <laughs> well, yeah, in some of those early a lot, clips? A lot of those
3: are my ideas, and you know, other guys in the band, or you know, together we come up with them. But you know, of course, the filmmakers are the ones that turn them into real things, you know, and, and make them work. You know, like for example, what's my scene? You know, I, it was my idea because I remember when I was a kid, you know, those the, the I don't know, it was Wheaties or cornflakes. You used to have that thing where you, you cut out the um, different you know, characters, you know, there's a frog man, there's a, you know, a nun or whatever, and you make like a little cardboard, you know, panel thing where you, you know, top put the, the, the head of one onto the body of another other and the, know, yeah, the leg, yeah. And yeah. mix and match, you know. Yep. And I just thought that'd be a fun way, because the song was being about identity and all that, I thought it makes make sense as a clip, you know. So that was my idea, and that's what the clip looked like, but, you know, of course, you know, <laughs> that idea is, you know, not making it happen, that's just like a, you know, a bit of a, a trigger. For their creativity to make it really work, I mean the, the, the director John Witteron and Tony Stevens, who worked on it, they did so many of the great Australian videos. I mean, they should be in the Hall of Fame actually, in mm-hmm. ARIA, because you know their contribution. They did, they did, they did Down Under for Men at Work. Oh, they did, yeah. you know, Berserk Warriors for the Ascent. They've done like 150 oh, wow. videos. They, they've done nearly everybody, you know, or you know, so many different artists and so many classic videos. Go between. You name it. They did a lot of our videos early on. Um, probably about twenty,
1: <laughs> maybe, wow,
3: wow. maybe more. You know, he did Miss Free Love. He did, you know, Like Wow, Wiped Out. He did. He did. I want you back with the dinosaurs. They did all those. You know, My Girl, My uh, so- Miss Free Love. You know, a thousand miles away. Actually, a thousand miles away was Kimball Randall did that one. Our old guitarist when we first started.
0: My girl's based on the old Hermans Hermits movie, isn't it?
3: Well, sort of. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah Mrs. Brown, you got a lovely daughter. That was, yeah. I will I tell well, you what. I had a greyhound sort of in
0: the in the movie, I think.
3: Yeah, it did. Yeah. That's right. Well actually yeah. th- seriously what well, the way that started, my my idea originally was to actually make it a, a love story between two dogs, like a shaggy dog story yeah. where this like little this mutt sort of falls in love with a greyhound on, that he sees on the T V in the electrical shop window, you know, watching this greyhound <laughs> racing around and only she's she's gorgeous. And so this dog I want this whole this whole story told by two dogs and this dog ends up the, the dog ends up uh being a, a bit of a, a tramp, you know, he lies in the gutter drinking the meth bottle out of the, ah. from, a, from a hobo. <laughs> play,
2: play, played in the movie, played in the movie by Brian
1: Manning. Ah.
3: <laughs> but anyway, the um, yeah, that was a bit adventurous, you know, having dogs acting and you know all that sort of stuff. So we made it, you know, Kimball, Kimball uh, No, so John decided, you know, let's make it about a, a guy and his dog. So that's how we did that. Uh, I but, agree. Uh, yeah, so I've always got grandiose schemes, you know, sort of to uh, do some sort of story, but, um, you know, you end up with <laughs> whatever you can afford.
1: Hey, Rick,
0: um, so <laughs> Dave was obviously in a painting and just sort of breezed into music. What about you? What inspired you to get into music? Girl? Girls? Um, <laughs> oh, <sorry, no.
4: laughs> uh, look, um, I, I don't know. We just always have music in the house and uh, a kind of a corny thing to talk about, but I guess it touches something in your soul when you're you know, a kid and you hear things. And I, I remember... Um, you know, the early Beatles stuff. and the, I, I used to uh, have this old Bakelite radio that my parents gave me when I was, you know, five, six, seven. And um, I, I had this fear of the dark, you know, so they'd put the radio on for me at night. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, when I, when I hear things like Waterloo Sunset or uh, Under the Boardwalk or, you know, songs like that, I, I get this, these sort of flashbacks of being in bed with yeah. this radio. And uh, it, it obviously sort of... Um, Unlocked something in me And I don't know I was just driven to do it When I was a kid I learned cello uh, For a while Which I hated And violin Which I hated And uh, as soon as my parents Sort of left me alone I started I picked up a guitar Yeah, so, so, I, I don't know I just, I was just Hey really? cello
3: That sounds good Let's get some <laughs> cello On the record <laughs> I love cello
4: <laughs> You know I don't have many regrets In my life But that's one regret
3: My first instrument was violin, but I didn't take to it either, you know. And I changed the piano, and I was too lazy to rehearse that, and I finally uh, taught myself after giving up, and the official lessons, you know.
4: I had it. My mother, I used to set my, my violin and my music up next to my mother while she was making dinner. She was very glad that I stopped. Horrible <laughs> <laughs> man! That's <laughs> very nice, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so talented.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Only a mother could love your violin playing. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> uh,
4: but no, I mean, I, I really kind of regret, you know, the cello thing, and uh, you know, I, I
0: would, I wish I had uh, kept that. But that, that sort of gave me a love of bass playing, bass, and. Uh, I used I used to have a tin violin as a little kid, and I used to never use it as a violin. I used to use it as a Paul McCartney bass because it looked a bit ah, like that, Paul that McCartney's right. Hofner, but um, and yeah. that and that sounded shit too. By the way, I just thought I'd pop that <laughs> in. <laughs> I've never seen a tin violin, but it sounds like it'd be something you'd like to have now. It's a bit of a, uh, you know, mix, yeah. you know oh, a fine well, violin. You know, I think all the new bands, they're, they're getting into them. I think we'll see a flood of tin violins uh, making music <laughs> in the next 12 months.
2: Hey, there's always been an energy about the Hoodoo Gurus, about your songs and your stage performances and all that, that you clearly the, the passion that you're, you, you know, talking about the stuff that you've done uh, is still there. You still obviously have that enormous energy, of not only on stage, but on, on record. It bounces out of radio speakers.
3: Yeah. yeah, well, um, I, I just, yeah, you know, Rick sort of referred to, you know, things like Waterloo Sunset and Bump bon- Unforged Walk and the Beatles, you know, that music is sort of what, you know, informed me as a writer and, you know, as a consumer. And also punk rock was a big one for me. Yeah, me um, too. You know, my late teens, you know, and um, yeah. so that feeling of, like, music, you know, jump, jumping around and giving you a feeling of, of, of energy is something I've always really related to and, and I, I don't know. Maybe I think a good melody does that too. You know, it sort of it, mm. it just catches you and picks you up. You know, with it, you can't you can't help it. So um, that that helps as well. Yeah. You, so for all these things, you know, just I just like a feeling of motion. And you know, I've never been one to sort of you know. I mean, you know, we've had ballads and stuff. You know, like a thousand miles away. But even that, you know, you kind of want it to kind of feel like it's got some kind of rhythm. You know, some sort of pulsing energy underneath it all somehow, rather than just sort of sort of laying there inert.
0: Difficult thing to do sometimes to capture that energy that you have live in a studio. I don't know why, but it's you know I know the X Men. We always sounded better live than we ever did on a record. We just couldn't get. That.
3: I, I think every artist in the world has always done that. You know, it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. solo music you play. You know, it's always the live, the live energy is something kind of magical, and it's more it's beyond just what you're hearing in notes. It's it's also something that's kind of spiritual, and and that's that. that Unconscious, traveling between the audience and Dan and you know the artist, and back again. You know, yeah, it's you know religious almost. You know, if, if you, yeah. if you, whether you really believe in the religions or not, but you know, like spiritual, I think it really is something special. And you know, I mean, like I don't know I'm going to sort of become a crank now, but you know, <laughs> you ever had that feeling when you walk down the street and you think, you know, you look, you turn your your head somewhere and you see someone's been looking at you. You know, you there's some sort of you, you realize yeah. someone was looking at you and you catch their eye and you go, well, you know, you, you were kind of aware of it before you actually saw them. Yeah. Where you, so you look that way for, you know, for not, you don't know why you did. And suddenly you see that they were looking at you and thinking about you. You, you know, maybe there is something like that that goes on between audiences and, and, and performers where there's an unconscious level where we're all communicating that's not, you know, in what we're hearing and seeing, but actually in our thoughts or, you know, and in our, in our feelings or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, that's what I believe, for whatever reasons
4: Are you? I, I i I personally uh, you know people say, do you get nervous playing and i you know I get nervous before we play, but I find it when we're on stage and unless there's some sort of big technical disaster, so it's, uh, it's a very freeing thing to play music in this band, and you know quite often I will look at the set list and, and be surprised that we already played that, you know so. You were you drunk? Of free of yourself. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're always flying.
1: No, I mean, um, uh, uh,
4: so it's a great thing. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to a couple of big wave surfers who say, you know, that's why
0: they do it, you know, because they kind of get free of themselves for, yeah. for, for those, you know, well, bits of time. And um, when, yeah, when you're doing it, you're not really thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. All you're doing is thinking about the now. You're living in the now, yep. and that's why. You're I Just
1: get... going fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, what comes next? <laughs> what <yeah>. comes next? <laughs> <there? laughs>
3: but al- also, the other great thing is, you know, um, you know, we, you know, we're we're musicians, and that's that's something we have in in, in our skill set that we don't get to use like in in the rest of our lives. You know, you mm. you making dinner, or you're walking around, you know, doing this, that, and the other. But when you're on stage, you're involved in that 100% and
0: it's really amazing. I'll tell you one thing: yeah. you can do though, if you're cooking, uh, you peel yeah. your potato and you throw it at your guitar strings. The potato goes through and it slices your chips for you. <laughs> it's a bugger getting a it out of the. Gu-
1: it's a bugger getting the chips <laughs> out of the
0: guitar, but it does work.
4: We might have had a potato thrown at us at, uh, over the years. <laughs> I've
2: <I'll
1: have> had more <laughs> than that. <laughs> sure
2: yeah. are. You are you concerned at all that that that, that magic you talk about uh, between yourself and the audience that it won't be kind of as magic given uh, the way. It's going to affect uh, the gig, uh, the gig space now. With you know, audiences having to social distance or sit down, and those sort of changes. We have done
3: a gig like that, and it was still mm. fine. You know, I mean, obviously okay. that, that that that's still intact, but obviously um, they're not as out. You know, not as explosive in terms of like the audience jumping up and down and you know screaming whatever. You know, trying trying to tear your clothes off. I mean,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> whatever. You know, I imagine, fantasize there. You I used know, to take
0: my own, own but, off but just that's, so you <laughs> out of frustration. There's a,
1: there's a feeling. <laughs>
3: I can sometimes, but they, they, they um, you know, there's still that feeling of energy in that thing. that That's real. Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't depend on where they're standing. Or if they're in the moment with you, you're feeling something, with, you know, of each other. Yeah. But yeah. Um, obviously we hope that the world returns to a more normal state where we can actually be human beings and more social with each other because it's quite tough, you know, not being able to touch each other or be, you know, up close. And, you know, these things are, you know, part of being a human being that, that we're having to sort of, Deal without at the moment, but um, you know that's going to change. We hope
2: has that changed your songwriting at all, Dave?
3: Not at all, no. Because songwriting is about something else. You know, you yeah. not, you're not writing for. I don't write the stage. I don't write for radio. I don't write for anything. I just write a song because the song is a, its own sort of logic, and you're just exploring that, and that's that's a different sort of freedom and, and feeling. And so you're just following where that goes. You know, that's that's um, that's a that's a, a beautiful process in itself. But uh, you don't you don't write thinking about those things, and those things don't don't impinge on them. If you're lucky, you know. Sometimes when I have thought about those things, like oh, I'm writing a single now, the song has always turned out bad. Yeah. You know, if I if I, if I stop thinking in terms of purely just what the music is and what it, you know, not thinking about anything else, um, then oh. just that could just turn it sour.
0: I always think that um, if you're writing a song. You should be expressing – it's like art. It's about expressing what's in your heart or your soul, and a lot of the time people can get sucked into I'll try and write something that's in his heart or his soul, and it's never going to work. It's always got to come from within you, and don't worry about Mm -hmm. what other people think or what, what they're into. Just follow your own guts, and, you know, if it works out, you'll feel really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, be, you can be making up a story, you know, it doesn't have to be yeah. tr- like
3: an absolute 100% true thing of like, you know, yeah. well, gee, I just stubbed my toe and I've got to write a song about that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you can write about, you know, things that are using characters that express how you feel about things, you know, and their story can be something you impersonate to kind of get a point across. Exactly. So, you know, like you you, know, you, you, you have an imagination, you know, that, that, that's that got to be employed. Otherwise, it's just boring It's you're writing about, you know well, gee, you know, I feel bad today and because I, I had a bad egg, you know, at breakfast or whatever, you know. Yeah. Who, who wants to hear about that, you know, yeah. the, the boredom of normal life? You want to heighten it and make it into something, you know, worth talking about. And sometimes imagination can add that, That that's important.
2: Hey, Rick, I know you've been doing a lot of work uh, in, in the teaching sphere. Is uh, the young musicians got exactly what Dave was just then talking about in terms of the- – Oh, well, you know,
4: it, well, it's funny, you know, uh, we at where I work um, – there's a lot of songwriting that goes on or attempted songwriting that goes on. And, and uh, you know, you get a lot of people sort of coming and saying, oh, I want to write a song like Tash Sultana or, you know, whoever. Yeah. And you have to, what I do with them is I sit down with them and say, look, you know, there's already a Tash Sultana. We don't need another one, you know, really. Mm. You know, a lot of the chord progressions have been done. So what do you, you've got to get in touch with something new that makes you different from everyone else, you know. And some of them do, some of them don't. A lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them are uh, kind of uh, want to fast track. Uh, you know, look, at the so- you know all the social media and what the world's like now, and uh, you know you can you know there's great technology available now, but uh, you still have to have a good idea. At the beginning, you know that's what we try and do with them. You know, try and get them to get in touch with their um,
0: own thing. You know, and um, yeah, sometimes it's good. We had um, I'm name dropping now, but we had Johnny Rotten on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he's got <laughs> this, he's got this great quote. He says if you didn't do it first, then don't do it. So that's his, that's his energy. If you don't, haven't done it first, oh. then don't do it. Oh, what do you
3: say about the New York Dolls then? Because they did it before then. <laughs>
0: well, that's that's when the argument started. Kevin pointed that out. <laughs> yeah, it's a retrospective uh,
2: philosophy on life that he's got. Uh,
3: yeah, look, Johnny's Johnny's good at uh, you know he says great things, but there, a lot of them are uh, just for a stir to get a rise other people. But you know, and a lot of it's kind of like. Basically, cutting himself on the back. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right. how
3: important he is and what he did, and everything is about, what, you know, and no one else matters. So, you know, well, I can take it. I can take a little bit of that, but after a while, I get a bit sick of it. Yeah. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, the 2021 version of the Huda Guru sounds exciting with the new drummer and uh, you know, new album on the way and touring and all that sort of stuff. It, uh, it sounds good. It sounds like the future's bright, which is great.
3: Look, it's as good as it can be, and that's. Good enough for us. Yep. <laughs> yep. Is that a bit underwhelming, kind of voter confidence? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <don't know. laughs> I don't
3: know. We're, We're excited. Doing we do. about it. We're doing what we do. we, you know, we, always, we had a, we used the old British paint slogan a long time ago, was it? Uh, British Paints keep on keeping on. Yeah. That's how we feel. You know, keep on keeping
2: yep. on. You come a long way from appearing on the Don Lane show with a bloke and a singing dog. That's right. (laughs) We'll end up there again, don't worry. (laughs) Hey, uh, Rick, uh, Dave, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been lovely to catch up and uh, we'll see you in 2021. Yeah,
3: thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Look forward to it.
1: See you, guys.
3: Horse town.
0: no one likes us here, they made that oh so clear, this town is narrow-minded, the people
3: here are blinded by hate, they won't meet you in the middle, and we found
5: out a little too late, so don't wait, so stop.
1: For the
0: share of love Most folks think that I'm
3: Living some life of crime But I've done nothing wrong So I'll keep singing my own sweet song
1: Out of sight, out of Oh the
2: There it is, and I suggest strongly that you check the clip out. The clip is the clip's very funny. It's kind of like watching a uh, a zombie movie. Oh, I like zombie bits. Yeah, but set in a kind of Western kind of town and uh, Dave Faulkner Dave Faulkner excels himself in his acting ability in this particular clip, so you need to check that one out. Get out oh, of Dodge.
0: I, I uh, will with, check that out. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, anything with Westerns and zombies has got to be good.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now uh, we're going to get now to our next bit uh, on the program, oh. Brian, which is Man Who for many years uh, was a, was a rock star.
1: in love with
0: me. No, not Billy. Blind field. Freddy knew Not that. Billy what? Field. Isn't
2: it Billy Field? No, it's not Billy Field. It, no. It's not. Um, oh, it's the uh, the cookie lady. Isn't there a field who does cookies? Cookie Field? Yeah. No,
0: not Cookie Field. <laughs> no. Um, Cook- I've heard of a field of mushrooms. Mrs. Field's Cookies. Mrs. Field's Cookies. Mrs. Field's Cookies? Yes. Oh, that no. sounds disgusting. No, yes. we're not talking Man, to we talk, <laughs> we're trying to talk to the bloke that used to manage the Wiggles, got an album out, and all you can think about is Mrs. Field's Cookies. All oh, yeah, right, Filthy then. thing. Yeah, I'm Goodness. sorry. Get I apologise.
2: I apologise. going to play his song too, which is a duet with Casey Chambers. So let's uh, have a chat to a man who, as you mentioned, uh, was the, uh, I guess if George Martin was the fifth Beatle, this bloke was the fifth Wiggle.
0: Well, he's a cashed-up
2: Wiggle. Love songs for lonely people. When did this uh, all start to come together
6: for you? <laughs> Pretty much a year ago, I uh, wound up from uh, my management management of the Wiggles after 24 plus years and I was finishing up over in the state. I had recorded a song from, written by a mate of mine and I shot a clip for it in Nashville. And initially I was going to do an EP and then when I got back, that good old COVID kicked in <laughs> and <laughs> so what we, we started off as an EP uh, became my, my project a COVID project, and uh, I just got together with a bunch of friends and just added it up and under a theme and, and ended up with an album, which was a, a great way to take the first step back into the music world myself.
2: You sort of put a hold on your on your music career, to, as you say, to manage the, the Wiggles empire. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, you were always doing bits and pieces, though, uh, going along, yes. weren't you?
6: I, absolutely, yeah. So, like in 1991, which is 30 years ago, the Cockroach was still – Still kicking, but Anthony went back to uni, finished off his early childhood degree, decided to combine his music career with his educational background, and and started the Wiggles. But it was not much to to, to sing about at that stage, and so I had rock and billy banders. We were we we're all kind of the same guys in three different outfits, and the yeah. cockroaches are kind of peaked, um, but we still, you know, continued on for a few years. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've still done things with music, as I say, in the Rockabilly band. My brother John and I put out a couple of albums under the name of The Phil Brothers, and we've always played. I mean, same as, through since I was 17.
4: Wow. So you recorded this one at Barnsley studio,
6: is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Jimmy's a good friend, and as I say, I, I, I got together him when we could here in Sydney, and... Uh, Checking how each other are going, and I mentioned, it, and he said, "Come on down here, and uh, it's just the best place." And um, uh, and of course, I, I asked if he'd like to sing a song with me. So we we um, did a Bob Dylan song together called "You Ain't Going Nowhere," and that'll be out as a single in out in April. Yeah, just it was one of those kind of things where you know people like friends like Casey Chambers, Jimmy, and then all my muso mates just got them in bit by bit. You know, just had the best fun.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Casey James, I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's got a wonderful voice.
6: And um, oh, what? yeah. What sort of song did you sing with Casey? So there's a mate of mine called Sean Sennett who is from Brisbane, and, and Sean's a great journalist, actually, and uh, but also a songwriter. He, he did an album with Rob Hurst. He recently oh. did an album with Steve Kilby and Kate Sobrano. Oh, wrote a yes, song yes, called yes, Sam, I know who you mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and great song. I did an album under the name The Honeyman with my brother John all so many years ago, and anyway, he had a song called Valentine's Day, which I've always liked, and – being a songwriter, if you, of course, he, he wants to push it, and said, "Why don't you do a version?" <laughs> so I did, and in fact, that was the thing. You know, we've seriously been talking about it for a few years. You know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, who would want this kind of thing? But that's why I eventually did before I went to the states for the last time. And I'd always said it would be a great duet; it'd be a better duet, you yeah. know. And um, so I asked Casey, and, and again, uh, she's... Uh, it was so good to step up and um, I, I went two years ago, I went on a, a trip with my wife where to a musical safari of Africa and it was Casey and her band. And we literally yeah. played on the, the Masai Mara there. Were, we set up camp there and she got me up to sing a Stone Song and the, the, the guides were looking out for lions but I, I still think Singing with me was more terrifying than uh, watching out the
1: line.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Valentine's Day is a lovely. It's a lovely song, and the the meshing of your voice and Casey's uh, works really beautifully.
6: Oh, well, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I, I tell you seriously. I, I when, after I asked and she said, yeah, we're, we're talking about the song and. She got back to me and when she'd done the vocals and, again, in, in a COVID-friendly COVID separation. Yeah. And she said, look, I was, I was actually expecting her just to do a harmony, which would have been sublime anyway. But she said, I've really done it a different way and, you know, taken words from other parts of the song and thrown it in. Anyway, it was, as you'll hear, you know, I, I, I just love it. And I, I played it for a couple of my kids who were in the house at the time. I said, have a listen to this, you know, what do you think? My daughter, Claire, said, yeah, look, it's great, Dad. Do you reckon you could just lose your vocals and keep going?
1: <laughs>
6: <Casey? laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's yeah, man. <laughs> oh, it's it's... The, You know what kids are like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, could there be two more different people that you would do duets with than Casey Chambers and Jimmy Barnes?
6: <laughs> In some ways, no, but both of them are bloody funny, bloody good to be around. And also great at what they do, like like um, Casey's one of the best singer-songwriters around the world, you know, and yeah. same with Jimmy, you know, but at the, at the end of the line, they're just good mates, and, 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 but you're right, you know, in, in some ways, very different, but uh, we all love music and, and you know, uh, get them to sing with me, which was, you know, just fantastic.
2: I love that song, that Dylan song that you've done with Jimmy, it's a, it's a bird, the yeah. birds did a version of it, which I thought was absolutely sensational.
6: Yeah, and Dylan himself, of course, he's done, there's about three different versions, so when you say to someone, you know the words, you won't go nowhere, you've really got to qualify which version, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, but, and it's great, and, and you know, um, it, it was Jimmy's studio, for God's sake, he was popping in and out, you know, while we are recording, but on the day of it, we said, oh, uh, you know, we'll just have a run through, and he said, only a couple of times, so I don't want to overlearn it kind of stuff, and Oh my God! You know, when you hear it, guys, you'll you'll, you'll love it. It's oh, um, he just tears it apart. And it's a real duet in that sense. You know, I do a vocal, he does a vocal, and kind of thing. And you know, we we sang together before, just at, at charity get-togethers. He does every year uh, until COVID, of course. The the Emerald Ball, which is a big fundraiser for the paediatric rehab unit at Westmead, and he'd get me up like in the past, and we do like shake, rattle, and roll, just like nineteen fifty stuff. Then the year before, <laughs> he said, "Are you coming along again?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "You want to sing with me?" I said, "Absolutely." You know, he said, "Great. We'll do good times. You do the Michael Hutchins bit, oh. and <laughs> so no pressure, lads. No pressure." <laughs> but I've got to say, if you're singing and if if, just, if Jimmy's singing a song with you, you don't have to worry, man. He'll, he'll if you drop, he'll pick you up. We'll he'll jump in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, fantastic.
2: Hey, I wanted to ask uh, the uh, the, uh, the you finished up with the with the Wiggles in March of uh, twenty twenty. Yeah. Was it? Did it get down to Just you know, too much fairy bread and red cordial.
1: <laughs>
6: no, mate, they're they way healthier than that. They're fruit salad all the all the way down. <laughs> no, no, look, it had been brilliant, mate. I, I, as I say, nearly twenty five years, and yeah. and. You know, I'm nearly 60. My wife retired from working 20 years in a boys' high school. She needs therapy, let alone a break. <laughs> um, and, and, and same with me. Like, it was, it was great. Like, you know, mate, we got runs on the board. You know, we, we t- sold um, 30 million yeah. CDs and DVDs, uh, 8 million books. Uh, you know, we went from playing Blacktown RSL to Madison Square Garden Theatre, you know, broadcast in 190 countries. So I feel I did my job you know, oh. and... Uh, oh, you're and <laughs> you'd think. You'd think. Uh, it really was like, it, you know, and, and also, should I say, in the new era with, with the, you know, the latest iteration with Emma, Lockie, Simon and Anthony, you know, they're well launched, you know, and I, in fact, that last trip of the States, I, I signed with the ABC a deal for them to be on Netflix for the next two years. So even the new era, it's set up and rock and rolling and it really just was time. It was like, I bloody loved it. Had a great time. Still their biggest fan, but you know, you know, time to time to make music and uh, sleep in and <laughs> you know, do normal things and see what see what the next next thing is. You know, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. So
4: is your is your album? Who's releasing the album? Are you just doing it yourself or are you go no,
6: through a major? Yeah, well, well it's through um, the ABC and Universal Music. Yeah, so oh, okay. yeah, so all the all the um. The, the difficult things of chatting to streaming lab, um, platforms and other things, and uh, they can do on my behalf. But it's great, you know, they, they're very – I've done business with both labels for, for decades, so um, it was great. It makes it really easy and just great to get it out there, yeah. Yeah, fantastic.
2: Are you managing yourself, Paul, given your Wiggles, uh, <laughs> you know, experience?
1: <laughs>
6: oh, yeah. <I'm, laughs> I tell you, it is funny because, like, um, you know, I've got it my own – uh, YouTube channel just set up, and yep. what I'm going to do there is, of course, the clips that I've made, and there's going to be about nearly half a dozen clips from this album, and they're quite varied from in-studio stuff like I did with Jimmy to the Valentine's Day clip, which I did in Nashville and so on, and then I'm also going to play, you know, uh, cockroaches clips from Countdown and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Rage and all that kind of stuff, and and also my rockabilly band, the Sacred Hearts. You know, so just lots of music I put up there. But we did a, a clip recently um, for a song my brother John and I wrote, and Johnny Field was the main writer for the Cockroaches and wrote over three hundred songs for the Wiggles. So he, he's he's good for a tune, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we we did the opening track on the album is an original, and we we did a clip for it. And here's the difference: where as before I had people working for me. It's now just me.
1: So, you know,
6: securing a church (laughs) for the clip, uh, lining up a camera crew, blah, 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 it takes a lot of time. It's like, what did you do today? Well, I got a church. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you mate, it's a bit different when it's just you and and, uh, I'm now very appreciative of all the people who have worked with me over the years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely Hey, you've
2: done a couple of books which are, which are you know, far removed from uh, from uh, the Wiggles or music in general They're, they're, they're yeah.
6: right out there mm. Yeah, well, I, I've, I, you know, over the decades, um, music has been the constant, you know And as you know, Brian, and, you know, it, it, it's also, you know, very few of us that can make a living just by music There's sometimes other things you've got to do if you're bloody lucky, you know So over the decades, you know, um, I worked at the Supreme Court for three years as a a clerk for a judge. I then worked at a Royal Commission of Inquiry into Police Corruption for three years just before I started managing Wiggles and officially. So, yeah, I had a bit of a depth of experience there. So after the Royal Commission, I wrote a book under an alias to protect myself, uh, about our key witness, a corrupt police officer named Trevor Haken, who was our key witness at the Royal Commission. It's now called um, Confessions of a Crooked Cop, and I wrote it under the name Sean Patrick, which is like an Irish version of my dad's name, John Patrick. So that was that. And then through the Royal Commission and the Supreme Court and, and also the Wiggles, I got to meet quite a few people from various areas uh, like, you know... Um, People have been wounded uh, over in Afghanistan and so on. And uh, so I wrote a book called Gimme Shelter um, about people who've worked in areas of conflict and and finding their way back into the world. So I've always liked writing and, you know, having been in the courts and uh, worked with um, a lot of people, I've, I've heard and witnessed good writing. And so I thought I'd give it a go in telling stories. And, yeah, they worked out well.
2: Yeah, Sympathy for the Uh, Devil was the first one. Gimme Shelter's the second one. What's the third one going to be called? Honky Tonk Women or You Can't Always Get What You Want?
6: Jumping Jack, Blake. Yeah, that's it. Well, my kids, in true form, already made that gag exactly right. You know, come (laughs) on, Dad. You know, like, (laughs) uh, as you may have sensed, uh, a bit of a stone's tragic. And The cockroaches, in fact, was the name that the, the Stones did when they did warm-up gigs under an alias. Is Keith that and the right? And, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So they they got, they got an album called Love You Live, which was recorded yeah. at the El Macambo in, in Toronto. And I visited there. as a bit of a shrine. I've genuflected and kept walking. But um, <laughs> they, they call themselves Keith and the Crocodile <laughs> when they call that. So we pinched that name. And it's also a bit of a piss-take of the Beatles too, but it was mainly because yeah. we are Stones fans. And yeah. then – Back in 1997, I think it was, when SARS had hit, uh, Hong Kong had this big campaign to get people going back there because no, it was a dead town, you know.
1: Yeah.
6: Uh, in fact, sorry, I got the name, years totally wrong. It was 2003. I've just walked down to the to the to the lounge <laughs> room to take the photo. Um, but the Stones played Hong Kong, uh, and they had you know the best artists around the world: Neil Young, Prince, etc Pavarotti. For God's sake. And it worked. Wow. They got people just flooded into the city, and kind of like after COVID, people just went, okay, that the, the you know the, the ice is broken, we can rock and roll. And of course, they got the Wiggles to be you know the, oh. the, the best best of the world's kids act. Yeah. So the Wiggles were doing that show on on a on a day, and then flying off to the states to do a tour. And the the guy organising the event said, "You know, the Stones are on like in two nights' time. Do you want to stick around, and do you want to meet them?" Oh. And, uh, so I think they got the defibrillator on me then. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I got to meet them, which is, you told teenage me, seriously. My wife has also said, and clearly, as I said, I just looked at a frame, there's a photo of me meeting them. Yeah. She said, you, you look happier than in our wedding photo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the photo because it's on your YouTube channel, on the clip that you're running on your YouTube
6: channel. Of course it is. I'm telling everyone. I'm gonna get it tatted <laughs> on my back one day. <laughs>
1: uh... Well was
6: Keith like Oh fantastic, as you would expect. So yeah. um yeah, I, I again was lucky enough. I bought my ticket, I joined the fan club. I saw them at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney, right? Oh, God. And I was like just a couple of meters away, you know, and I in in all my mature uh, way, you know, at one stage there the quiet, the crowd was quiet and I you know, you're right, Keith. And he turned around and pointed at me. I thought, well, there you go. I'm like, all right. (laughs) And then, of course, in Hong Kong, they they said, you know, you guys will wait here. They'll walk up. They'll say hello. You'll turn around. You'll get a photo. And they'll walk on stage, right? So, you know. And Jagger's literally moving up like he's Mick Jagger, a caricature. He's like he's (laughs) dancing. You know, and they're all lovely. I mean, you've got to pause for a second. None of these guys need to meet me or anyone. Do you know what I mean? I think they're brilliant to do this, you know. Anyway, they shake their hands, they say hello, and this is my conversation with Keith Richards. I said, Keith, I I saw you at the Anmol Theatre, and he just, (laughs) That was it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he chuckled like, uh, was it Jack Sparrow, the, the pirate? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh. So seriously, when you read that, you know, I was hit by a bus one day. You, you know, I've died a happy man. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Wow. Oh, wow. That's a fantastic story. Hey, it's a great song, Valentine's Day. Really looking forward to the album, Paul. Love songs for lonely people. Thanks for your time, mate. We really appreciate it, and we'll we'll talk more in yeah. the future, hopefully.
6: I'd love to catch up again, guys. I'll I'll, I'll be a bit um, less talkative next time, I promise. No, no,
4: we like you talking. That's good. Uh, Fantastic.
6: Thanks, Paul. Good on you, boys. Good on you, boys. Good luck with the album. Cheers. Thanks, mate.
5: It's Valentine's Day. I'm feeling most... Sunshine and bright down over the domain. And you said you'd been traveling forever, but you will stay in the valley of my heart. It's Valentine's Day
1: Oh, it's Valentine's Day And I'm
5: listening to Sticky things.
2: Casey Chambers and Paul Field, and that is the uh, the album is uh, "Love Songs for Lonely People." Be out uh, in a couple of weeks' time. The uh, I think it's about April. The the actual release, but looking forward to hearing that duet with Jimmy Barnes, the uh, the Bird song, the Bob Dylan song. Uh, oh, you You yeah. ain't going nowhere. Good song. Yeah.
0: He's already working on on a sequel album too. It's called "Love Songs for People That Are Happily Married." (laughs) And uh, (laughs) where do you
2: find those? No, that's not. That's it was a joke. Oh, come on! It was a joke. All right. Gee whiz. How's oh. Are you, I mean, you've been gigging around and doing some shows and stuff. There, is the old, the old juices flowing? I oh, know oh. they're not flowing right now. They're flowing through the top of your head. Yes. But um, <laughs> Is it, are you starting to feel kind of,
0: you know, normal again, if I can use that expression? Um, you look, you know, doing the gig I feel normal, but afterwards I feel a bit, oh, God, I'm exhausted after yeah. that. But, um, yeah, I think I'm lacking a bit of match fitness. But um, other than that, um, you know, I'm... You know, feeling it when I get on stage, and um, you know, doing what I think is a high standard of mediocrity. So yeah. um, that's fine. <laughs>
2: hey, can I ask what's the uh, what's the crowds like? I mean, we talked to both the the, hoodoo, well, the hoodoos talked about uh, you know the couple of gigs they've done where they've done the sitting down one and that. How, yeah. how have you found uh, the reaction from the crowd? Is it are we kind of really busting to you know yeah, get I, out and
0: look? Um, I did a gig yesterday, and it, yeah, the audience was just. Right there from the word go, I think, you know, they were just right in the mood to see some live music and um, the few gigs I've done, people are sort of right into it because I think, you know, they've missed it. And, yeah. um So that's good, you know, that's like you're getting a, a great reception when you play because um, people haven't seen it for a while and um, I think they're valuing it a little bit more, which is great.
2: Yeah, no, it's good. It's terrific, and I imagine uh, the sort of the feeling backstage with the with the road crew back and and all those uh, people back uh, with some work to do. They must be feeling good about it too. So there'd, there'd be a ripple effect from that, I'd imagine.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's um, you know, yeah, everybody's you know really happy to be back at work, and um, you know, like I saw Dale Ryder last night. It's the first time I've seen him for a year. Um, Jeez. So we normally we normally work together all the time, but um, it's been. Over a year since we've worked together. So that was really cool. And, uh, you know, great to see all of the guys in the band and uh, the crew and everything. So, um, yeah, it's good to be sort of slightly back in business. Yeah, yeah.
2: The sooner that we do get some sort of normality back into how we go about all this stuff, uh, the better. Hey, that's another life of Brian. dot. dot, dot Manics, that that is done and dusted uh, with thanks to our very good friends at Murcotts. Give them a call on 1300 555 576 or check out the website. It has all the details, Au. You're not as good a driver as you think you are. It might be time to do something about that. So Murcotts are the people to talk to.
0: Actually, You're Mm -hmm. right on there, Kev, when you say you're not as good a driver as you think you are. Mm -hmm. It's quite frankly... You are a shit driver.
1: <laughs> you are shit house.
0: You're a risk to everybody else. Go and get some help down at Murcotts. one 300 576 Yeah, that's what I nearly said. <laughs> no, you are a shit driver and go Thank and you, get Brian. some help at Murcotts because really you're going to kill you. are an accident waiting to happen. Thank go you. and get some help. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that.
2: Next Life of Brian, one of the great singer-songwriters that this country has ever produced.
1: Oh, if you think I the Hoodoo Girls was good. I'm
0: on it in. Every week. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, dear me. Well, Who are you talking about? I
2: presume you were talking about me. No. <laughs> Why not? No, enough about you. Let's talk about me. What do you think of me? Let's talk about Richard Clapton. Clapton, Yes, a new album. <sighs> a new album he's got. It's a beauty too. I'm loving it. I'm listening to it at the moment and I'm loving it because it's a oh. it's an album full of covers from 66 to 70.
0: It's one of the songs that I heard from it. It's it's the fastest I've ever heard Richard Clapton sing.
2: Oh, that was um, the Love and Spoonful song.
0: That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's a good song. No, he's done some beauty. You know, he's all a girls on the avenue kind yeah. of guy. You know, I am an island. Now he's going really fast.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Good songs from the 60s. We'll talk to Richard in the next episode and also begin uh, what's a bit of an epic with Mark Opitz, the uh, oh. the very famous record producer who's done everybody you can think of in this country except the um, excess, X-Men and Skyhawks. Chisel,
0: Hoodoo Gurus. Who else and has he done? He's done everybody. chisel um, In excess, Hoodoo yep. Gurus, Models. Um, Aussie Crawl. Yeah. Knocked back Guns N' Roses. Yes, he did. Wow. Yep. Yeah. No, very interesting man very Sorry. a really good guy to one of the best producers Australia's ever produced
2: No doubt so they're coming up on the next edition of life of Brian till then Brian take care of yourself go
0: and, uh, go and have a bex and a lie down. Oh, I'm having a barocco as we speak. <laughs> <Hey Jack.
2: laughs>